This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into episode 135 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Scott McLaughlin and Bridget Prue. 15-2 and two are the Boston Bruins, the first 17 games of the year. I know we all predicted this. Um, I mean... They just keep rolling. They they defeat the Flyers four to one at the Garden, and you know we'll we'll get into it. But the first forty minutes of the game, they looked like a team that hadn't played in four days. A lot of turnovers. Um, just you know, they just didn't seem like themselves. But yet they still find a way to win. Um, it's just real impressive what they're doing, even when they're off. They're still winning. Yeah, and they've been a dominant third period team, and we saw that. Again, on Thursday night, they they have the best third period goal. I mean, they have the best overall goal differential in the league, but best on the third period in particular. They're now plus 18 on the season. Next best is the Islanders at plus 14. And we see it night after night. They're able to close games out. They can extend leads. They can come back. Um, Thursday night, we see them. Uh, see the Flyers pull within one in the third period, and then the Bruins slam the door shut and get it to three one, and then to four one. Um, you, you're right; like they didn't play great the first forty minutes. They did; they looked very sloppy. But they're they're so good that they can still pull away in games even without playing a full sixty minutes. Now. Yeah, at some point you, you know, you want to play full sixty. You want to make a habit of that. You know, we've talked before about this tough stretch of games they have coming up. Uh, you know, end of November into early December, like that stretch of games, you're going to need more complete efforts. You're not going to be able to, you know, kind of. I, I wouldn't say like they didn't sleepwalk through the first forty minutes, and I thought there was some energy. They were just very sloppy. Um, well, but, like, you're not gonna be able to do that they were, teams. Montgomery said they were too excited, so like energy was definitely there, but like eagerness, like over eagerness to like make these plays and things were just like hectic, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of like when when you haven't had a cheat meal in a long time, and you go through Chick Fil A and you just start you know scuffing down the the waffle fries and, you, and you're like, oh boy, I got a little heartburn there for a second. You have to have a sip of the diet coke, whatever. Um, yeah, maybe maybe a little too excited to start the, start this one out, but I mean, well, and, and Trent Frederick, I don't know if you guys heard in the intermission. Um, I don't think Scott's TV was working at the Garden, but in the first intermission, um, Razor talked to Trent Frederick and he said like. It, you could definitely tell like we had time off like three days off um and but he was like yeah but i don't have any worry that we're gonna get like we're gonna get there um like by by second third period we're gonna be fine is kind of what he was saying and he was right and the team has and, and the reason why he said it and thought it is because the team has been doing that consistently yeah and i think just to speak to scott's point like a minute ago 
um, you know, they're not going to have the luxury of, of, of necessarily having these types of starts to games over the next couple of uh, weeks or so. I mean, they're going to have some real stiff competition. I think, you know, you have Florida and Tampa next week. I know you have, you have Colorado and Carolina and Vegas. They're all on the schedule. So, um, yeah, Vegas. Yep. But she's coming back to town. Um, but you know, if, if it wasn't for Linus Olmark, um, you know, Philadelphia could have, they could have been up a couple goals in the first, after the first 40. So, you know, it's just understand they had four days off. Um, we get that all good. Um, understand that we're a month into the season and they already have 30 points in the bank, which is crazy. It really is insane. Um, get all that, but going forward, there is going to be some stiff competition. Now, the good news is they built themselves this cushion, but you, you want to, you, you just, it's about main, playing the right way throughout the season and continuing to have good habits. And, uh, and they're going to be tested going forward. Like, like I mentioned earlier. So um, as great as they are in the third period, and as as many game breakers as they have where they can kind of get away with some inconsistent play throughout the course of 60 minutes and still find a way to win, um, it's going to be more challenging to get away with that going forward. And it's great that the Bruins are in a position where they have they have a deep lineup, and when the top guys aren't going, they, they are able to get production from their bottom six and kind of kickstart the team in a, in a game where maybe the top six aren't really rolling. And they got there eventually tonight with Krejci. But in years past, they didn't have that luxury of having a, a bottom six that could spark them on a given night, and they do now. Yeah, how about Tomas Nosek can't can't stop scoring now? Gets the empty netter last game as first goal in seventy two games, I think, including playoffs. And then he goes right back out and, and scores again on on you know to open the scoring Thursday night on. Just a really good all-around play, starting with Hambus Lindholm leading the rush through the neutral zone, getting the zone entry, um, and then Felino setting up Nosek. Um, Felino on the power play sets up Krejci later in the game. So, you know, another strong game for Felino. Um, and Krejci getting going is huge because, you know, we talk, we've talked about in a couple of recent podcasts how that, Second line just hasn't, you know, they haven't been bad, but they haven't really taken off yet. Um, Krejci scores twice Thursday night. He, he he came in with just one point in his previous five games. Uh, him and Hall together were, were dominant against the Flyers. Um, starting the game at DeBrusque there, and then they actually changed it up as the game went on, and Pavel Zaka got some shifts there. Uh, it looked good with Pavel Zaka there. I really liked how it looked with Pavel there. And I, I do think that DeBrusque looks better on the first uh, – with with Marshawn and, and Bergeron, but they still haven't really tried to go back to that yet. Except for yeah, on the power I mean, play, I, I think obviously. it should – he should be able to work on the second line. I, I wonder if this is just, you know, an in-game thing that might not necessarily – continue moving forward but no uh, you're right that zaka did look good there and he sets up crazy's first goal with just a great aggressive play closing down on a defenseman and and poking the puck over to crazy oh yeah he did all the work on that yeah (laughs) crazy just like luckily was able to finish that really nicely but um like zaka gave him this great a opportunity with the way that he worked hard to get that puck and 
Krejci did a good job, you know, finding it, using his legs to try to get to get to it before anyone else could. But I thought Zaka looked really good when he was moved there in the third period. What I was saying more about DeBrusque wasn't that I don't want him on the second line, is that I just think he works better with Marshawn and Bergeron. Um, and I I don't think Pasternak really like when they put the perfection line back together for today's game, it, it wasn't doing all that much. Um, I don't know. I could have, I could have, I would have liked to seen DeBrusque back on the first line. I just thought it looked, he didn't look well, like he was playing that well until he was with the guys on the power play um, that he, he's been playing with mostly um, to start the season. I think, uh, I think a lot of guys, would probably look optimal next to Bergeron and Marchand. <laughs> I don't know if that's a DeBrusque specific thing, but but your point is is well taken. It's uh, you know, I, I just think I read somewhere that Jim Montgomery. And perhaps you guys can tell me where I may have seen it because you probably know you were probably in the scrum. But he talked about how he told his top six to kind of get used to each other. Uh, yeah, he's he said that a few times now that he wants he wants everyone to be able to play with everyone basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so to that point, like, I just feel there's, it's such a long season. I'm, 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 I'm really trying to just kind of not put too much stock and pressure into um, the, the ideal trios right now. I just think that over the course of 82 guys go through different highs and lows and, and, um, Sometimes the best way to get a guy from a low to a high is to put him with a different combination, just kind of tinker things up, keep things fresh throughout the year. So I'm not really trying to find, I'm not really looking for the Bruins to solidify like their ideal and obviously injuries play a part too. Right. But once we, once the calendar hits, I would say like this, the latter, like February, um, that's when you really want to start to hone in on like, all right, we go into a playoff series. Like who do we really think we should be going with? And even then it's matchup dependent. Right. And um, are you on the home on the road? So I don't mind them kind of tinkering these guys around because it gives them experience with a lot of their teammates. I don't know if it's just because of last year that I'm just like, he- like very hesitant to like move DeBrusque away from the thing that got him back on track. Um, so it's not that he can't do it. It's just that like somewhere in the back of my mind is like, there's just like a slippery slope maybe is the way that I think of it. And that, I mean, he could be completely fine working with those other two lines, but just part of you is like, all right, this is well. the, The one thing I would note though, is that last year he actually started getting going before he got moved up to that line. Like he, he had some really good games in the fourth and third lines and that's part of the reason why he got moved up. Like it wasn't like, well, he sucks, so you know we'll just throw him there and like see if that gets him going. Like he got moved up because he was playing better already. So, um, and I, I just think this is so much different in that he, he knows he's back to being a top six forward. Like regardless, now technically he gets bumped down to the third line tonight, but you know, like I said, that was kind of just like one-off in-game switch but and i just think he, i just think he's on such play. a different place than than last year where like i'm not too worried about that debrusque who was you know 
playing at a fourth line level, playing at like a healthy scratch level. Like I'm not, at least as of now, I'm not worried about that DeBrus coming back because I just think he's in such a better headspace that, you know, no matter which line you put him on, I, I even if it is the third line, like I, I just think the way the way he's playing, the way he seems to be approaching this season, I, I think he's going to be effective. When it comes to Jake, it's more so for me, um, I is he engaged every night? And he has been. I mean, we how many times have we talked over the last year and a half, five, six game stretch of just like he was, in, he had the Harry Potter cloak of invisibility on, right? Hmm. Um, so I'm, even when he's not scoring, he's engaged. And so to Scott's, to echo Scott's uh, sentiment, like I'm not worried about him either, no matter what line he's on. It's a different situation. The vibes are totally different. He has, dating back to last year, he has been one of the, I, I think dating back to this, I mean, there's probably a hard date, but let's call it, um around trade deadline of last year maybe a little bit earlier than that i think he's like second on the bruins and goals only behind Pashnak, and they're not, they're not far apart from each other in that regard so he's been fine i i, I just think it's more so i think they're taking a, a bit of a break from the Pashnak krejci hall combination because i just think that they don't think the timing's right right now to try to force that i don't think they want them to get discouraged because it's not working. And I think they're going to come back to it at a later date when, you know, similar to tonight, like when Krejci starts to get his mojo back, he starts to feel better about himself. I think same, I think they're also waiting for Taylor Hall to kind of really get back into peak Taylor Hall form too. So I wouldn't be surprised if they revisit the passion at Krejci Hall combination at a later date when the timing's better. I just don't think they want to force it right now. And I think that, Five on five, they were kind of stagnant the last week and a week, week and a half, two weeks. And I think they thought that putting that Bergeron because they haven't played together for a long time either, right? Bergeron, Martian, and Pashnak, like they were put together in the playoffs at the end of last year because Carolina just kept thumping them. But it was Hall, Halla, and Pashnak for the better portion of the second half of the last season. So it's been a long time since those three have been together. And I, I don't think it was a bad time to get them back reunited as well. They've been on the power play together, but it's different. So I just think it, it made sense for everybody to kind of go where they're, they're going right now. And Zaka on the top six, he played great tonight. Um, but yeah, I just think it was more of a reward to guy. He, he he was he was playing well, so they gave him the opportunity. I do want to say something that kept came, coming up as a theme in the post game tonight, um, especially when I talked to Nick Felino, um, was that when you go on such a, a great start like winning streak or in this case just you know a great record to start only two losses um you can get like stagnant if you're like okay this worked this is working so well like you just kind of like expected to work well every night but if you rotate guys it's like a new challenge every day where you're like okay well we're not trying to win the same way over and over and hoping the same formula works every time because then teams pick up on it or you like kind of just lose a little bit of that like um, urgency or, or whatever it may be. So like the shuffling through could have, you know, could be a strategy in terms of like keeping competition going and keeping guys working towards, you know, just figuring out each game as it comes, not just expecting we're really good. We're always going to be really good. Yeah. And you have the the luxury you know, to Brian's point about what Montgomery said, you know, wanting to get everyone playing with each other and used to playing with each other. 
like you have the luxury to do that when you're winning the way that they are. You know, if you're if they were struggling right now and, you know, just on the edge of the playoffs or whatever, you'd be more inclined to say, like, let's find some lines that work and stick with it and try to string together some wins. But where it seems like they win no matter what they do, you you can move stuff around and you, you can try some different combinations and you can make switches in game and you can give guys, you know, some leash to say, okay, well, I want to see how this combination does. So even if their first two shifts don't go well, you know, we'll give them a little bit longer. Um, you can do that when you keep winning games and you have like this cushion to fall back on. So it's really like an ideal situation. And then you saw it on defense tonight too, where you get Anton Strawman back in after, you know, a bit of a long layoff for him and you do it on his offside, which I thought he looked pretty good playing on the left side tonight. And it's like, again, that's another thing where, you know, maybe if you're struggling, it's like, man, do we really want to, you know, Strawman's been out a while. Do we really want to put him back in and have it be on his offside? And it's like, well, you can take that chance and see how he looks there. Uh, you know, the fact that Jacob Zaboral hasn't really run away with that job on the third pairing uh, also allows you to do that. So um, it's just, it's a great luxury to have if you're Jim Montgomery to be able to, to still tinker, uh, you know, even, even like, even though I'm sure in his mind, he has combinations that he wants to eventually end up at, you, you can just roll with kind of whatever's working or whatever you have a gut feeling for in game. Yeah. And before we move completely on to the defense, I did have two more quick things. I don't know if you noticed this Scott, but I didn't, I didn't see Charlie Coyle play like that many shifts. Like I almost felt like there was something going on with him when he didn't go out for, I know they were switching the lines up, but it just seemed like they were kind of going away from him at, at different points. I don't know if he was hurt I mean, he still kept playing and was on the bench, but for for there was a stretch there where I was like, "Where where was Charlie Coyle at?" Um, I I don't know if there was something going on. He was like trying to nurse an injury or something. Um, but he wasn't out there in the third quite as much. Yeah, I mean, there were four penalties to kill, and obviously he's a big part of that too. So, um, I haven't dug into like how his shifts broke down, but I'm wondering if, uh you know, all that cut into some five and five shifts. And maybe that's why, um, you know, he might not have been out there as much or, or yeah. had some shifts in, in a different spot or, you know, someone else was, was out there with like the, the third line. Well, they had Frederick centering um, a line at one point. That's what, that's when I first noticed that Coyle, I was like, oh no, it was Coyle hurt. Then I zoomed in on the bench, saw him there. I was like, no, I guess he's not. But Frederick was centering uh, Greer and Felino at one point, so that's when I was like at first worried. Uh, he also wasn't on either of the power play units, and I don't know. I, I know that was by design. I, I saw the the power play units in morning skate, so I know he's not on yeah. either. But this may have been the first game where he wasn't on one of them. I may be wrong about that. Maybe last game um, he wasn't either, but. He's usually been on at least the second unit since his in his, his entire tenure in Boston, um, and they elected to go with Zaka and Felino 
on a second unit over any usage of coil. So maybe, maybe we're noticing some lack of special teams too, at least on the power play um, that maybe limited some minutes. Um, I didn't necessarily pick up on it five on five, but I did notice some tinkering in the bottom six. So I know Greer went down for a few shifts and maybe things got shuffled around at that point. I'm not really sure. Uh, I'm not really sure. Well, the good news is he came back and, and like he didn't take no shifts towards the end of the game. It just was something that like, I just wanted to keep an eye on. I think he's probably fine, but um, that was it. And then, so I also feel like today is one of those days where, like, we were hard on no sick and not, and it was especially early on, like preseason and like right around making the team, and like we were hard on him and pretty much like rightfully so the whole way along. But when you actually get to talk to him, like I felt like, okay, I feel a little bit bad Um, because of you could just tell that he knew people were talking about him negatively most of the season. And then when you see him not even like try to celebrate, in fact, like try to make it so no one celebrated that empty net goal, I was like, oh, okay. He's he knows like people are gonna be like, oh, he had to score into an open net. <laughs> and then when he finally scored today with a goalie, he finally celebrated a little bit. And it was it was funny to talk to him after. And he was very he was like, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It feel great. Feels great to finally have scored. And and um, then Felino was talking about him too and was saying like he's kind of a misunderstood guy. He's, he's a very hardworking player. He does exactly what the team wants him to do. Um, you know, great at penalty killing, great at face-offs does exactly what we want from him. People just don't understand like his role isn't offense. And I don't think that we ever were thinking he was going to be this big offensive guy, but it's the, been the finishing that we always have. Like, it's like, Oh, it's always just so close, but no cigar. Like the time he rang the post clean at the end of one of the games, like maybe it was even in overtime or so. I just remember it being like, wow, that was, you can't even buy one. So it's just, we don't get a chance to talk to him that much. So it was kind of different getting a chance to talk to him. Yeah. And when he was in Vegas, like there were stretches where his five on five offensive numbers, um, especially on like a per minute basis, we're pretty good. And I think that's why, you know, when the Bruins signed him, it was like, oh, like that's a really solid fourth line kind of under the radar signing. Um, you know, at the time we thought it was, he was someone who was going to, I mean, remember how we, how much we talked about them not getting enough offense from the bottom six. And he seemed like someone who was going to bring, or at least had the potential to bring, you know, a little more offensive pop. So then when you get, into the second half of last season and there's just no offense there it's like well okay like and offensive depth and scoring depth ends up being a problem for the Bruins again in the playoffs it's like well can you really put up with that in in your fourth line center role like can that really be a black hole of offense and and survive and on last year's team it couldn't be but um you know I think this year there's less pressure on there's really less pressure on everyone because everyone's stepping up and, and, and contributing. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're, you're seeing no sick, you know, put, 
you know, produce a little bit offensively, uh, at least the last couple of games. Um, but even before that, I thought he was part of a line that was creating some chances and, and Felino's driven a lot of that, but you've seen Greer and Loco, you know, producing that spot. Um, you know, I think Smith, I think, he, I think his goal, I think one of his goals came playing there, but, um, yeah, like even though he wasn't scoring himself, that line was generating more offense than it was last year. So now you get him on the board, and it's like it, it again. It's just it adds to the offensive depth. Like it, it's been a strength of this team all year, and, and he's been part of it. Yeah, really, the scoring that's been going on, like the fact that they are the they're they're number one in goals for and everything. goals against, right? Yeah. So like that gives you that Pop gives you the luxury. Goals goals against, everything, <laughs> jersey sales, everything. Um, Bad PR gives- moves, everything. <laughs> that gives you the, the oh, come on Brian I'm trying to talk every time I open my mouth um he said everything Bridget <laughs> everything everything yes and uh with that um they're they have the luxury to let him just play the role that he's good at which is the penalty killing role the you know the face-offs and playing more of a defensive you know center kind of a kind of a role so it's it's good for him i'm sure he feels better now that he's contributing and, and he said so <laughs> but you know they, they do have that luxury 